welcome back to the Hot Girl Diaries podcast, where we talk about ways to optimize our health, wellness, and lifestyle to live our best and hottest lives. Today, I am speaking with Nicole Bendayen, who is a holistic nutritionist. She helps women to optimize their lives by syncing their nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to their feminine cycle. I loved this conversation and learned so much, so I'm super excited for you guys to hear all about balancing your hormones, some truths about PMSing, cycle syncing, and more, all with super actionable tips that you can start doing today. So before we get into it, um, I'd like to ask you guys, please, to rate, review, and subscribe. I love to hear your feedback, so you can leave that in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow the Instagram at Pod, where you can send me questions or topics you want me to cover, and my TikTok at Shira Fay. Also, follow Nicole. I'm going to link all her socials and her website in the description, so if you want to hear more from her or learn more from her, it's all down there. And finally, I want to ask you guys to share this episode with a friend if you feel like they could benefit from it, because it's so nice to just let someone know you're thinking of them if you know somebody who has maybe like really rough periods or just their hormones are out of whack all the time or they have PCOS or any sort of hormonal issues or even if they don't this can benefit everybody so send this episode to a friend and yeah without further ado let's get into the episode hello Nicole how are you doing I am doing well thank you for having me yeah my pleasure I'm so excited to speak with you today so I wanted to start by asking you if you could describe the phases of the menstrual cycle, just so we have that basis before we begin our conversation. Totally. Um, which is great because most women don't know, um, even what the phases of their menstrual cycles are. Um, so pretty much what your cycle is, it starts the first day of your bleed and it goes to the first day of your next bleed. Um, and your cycle should be between, uh, 28 and 34 days is really the optimal range. Um, anywhere above or below that is kind of a signal that something might be askew. And we start off with the phase that we all know and love, which is our period. And that's the menstrual phase. Yeah. Uh, the menstrual phase should be between three and seven days. And this is when your hormones are at their lowest. Then you go into the follicular phase and the follicular phase is when an egg is actually being developed and that egg follicle is releasing estrogen. So your estrogen is rising. Then uh, you go into your ovulatory phase and this is in and around ovulation. And that's when estrogen is really high and it triggers uh, all the events to cause ovulation. And your hormones can actually fluctuate between 30 and 50% in and around ovulation, which is wild because we always think about, you know, the period being the main event in your cycle, but it's really ovulation that's the main event in your, your cycle. So after the ovulatory phase comes the luteal phase. And this is when estrogen kind of dips, but then comes up and steadies out a little bit. And progesterone is the dominant hormone. Um, at the end of the luteal phase, both of those hormones start to dip. And that's where about 80 to 90% of women will start seeing um, PMS symptoms. Okay. So then it starts all over again. Very interesting. Thank you. Could you describe some of the experiences or feelings you'd have during the phases? Sure. And truthfully, it all depends um, because okay. your hormones play such a huge role in it, right? So um, kind of the stand, I'll go through what the standard might be, okay. uh, what most women will feel, but it really depends on kind of any hormonal imbalances that you might have, or if you've been cycle syncing and all that kind of stuff. So during your menstrual phase, most women feel a little bit more tired. Your body's going through a lot. Um, it's trying to bleed and shed. So you might be a little bit more tired, unmotivated, your hormones are lower. Mm -hmm. Then as you go into your follicular phase, you start to gain energy. Um, you know, a lot of women will feel a little bit lighter and will feel rejuvenated. And if you want to picture it also kind of as seasons, kind of the feeling of seasons is your menstrual cycle is like your winter and you're kind of just like internal, you go introspective. Then your follicular is like that springtime. You kind of come out of your shell. It's blooming. It's great. Um, ovulation is kind of like summer. This is usually when women feel a lot more energetic. Your senses are also heightened. So this is a great time to like go on dates mm -hmm. because, you know, you, you have a heightened sense of um, smell and taste, which is, can make things really exhilarating. Yeah. And then in your luteal phase, again, that's where things start to kind of dip down a little bit. Um, your neurotransmitters might be affected. So your serotonin levels might actually drop. You might feel a little bit more, um, anxious or fatigued. There's actually five different types of PMS, um, that each kind of have their own natural causes and protocols. So, I mean, I'm sure most women know what PMS feels like. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, those are kind of just the standard of how you might flow through your cycle. Okay. I really like your comparison to the seasons. I feel like that makes it make so much sense. I feel like it makes so much sense. Also like the ovulatory phase to go on dates because that's when your body's like looking to get pregnant. Right. So you're yes, like more heightened to your attraction, those types of things. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned PMS. I wanted to ask is PMS and like cramping normal? No, no, no. Okay. Cause I hear no. so many conflicting things and I'm like, <laughs> no. is it normal? Is it not? I'm so confused. No, it's common, Okay, but it's not normal. Okay. Very, very different distinction. It's common, but it's not mm. normal. It's actually your body signaling that there's something up, that there's might be something askew. Um, and like I said, there's five different types of PMS Usually women will have like one or two different dominant types. Um, if you want, I can run through those really quickly yeah. and kind of give the symptoms of those. Um, so the first type is type A, which is anxiety. And of course you might feel anxious or overwhelmed at times. Um, and I think that affects about 70% of women. Okay. And then, or 70% of people who experience PMS. Okay. So then there is type C, which is cravings. And this is when you're craving carbohydrates. We all know and love that you're binging. Um, you're, you really want those like white breads or the candy or the sugar chocolate on the period. Um, well, chocolate. Yeah. And chocolate. What's really interesting about chocolate is that could be a sign that you're deficient in magnesium. Really? Yeah. And magnesium is really important for um, also type C as well, because it also encapsulates um, headaches okay. and dizziness sometimes. So it's important to get a lot of magnesium. Um, I recommend magnesium to everybody because about 50% of the population, at least in the US, is deficient in magnesium. And that statistic might be a little bit higher in women as well. And that can cause a lot of um, issues with the cycle. So you would recommend like a daily magnesium supplement to most people? Yeah. Okay. Um, magnesium at night specifically, um, magnesium glycinate is great. And, um, why I would say at night is because it has, um, nerve tranquilizing and muscle relaxing effects. So it also supports your sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can help with, uh, the cravings of chocolate. Um, okay. But the cravings can also be from, uh, you know, if you have imbalanced blood sugar over, uh, the earlier phases in your cycle that can cause a lot of cravings, as well as, you know, if you have lower serotonin levels that can cause a lot of cravings as well. Okay. Or if you've been restricting. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's type D, which is depression and that's categorized by, you know, feeling overwhelming sadness, um, you know, that depressive state, the insomnia or, um, hypersomnia. Um, and then you can fall into type W or type H it's also known as, so that's water retention or hyperhydration. Hmm. This one is also one of the most common ones. Um, and this is when your body is retaining water Okay. and that can cause, you know, a little bit of bloating, breast tenderness, slight weight gain, um, as well as general emotional upset. So that's why like you can fluctuate up to, I've heard like up to 10 pounds on your period. I don't know if that's true, but it's because of the water retention. Yeah. 10 pounds is a lot to fluctuate. Um, usually we see about three to five pounds is like the standard with, um, you know, type W or type H, but yeah, you definitely can fluctuate significantly. And that water retention can cause not just you know, physical symptoms of really bloated and kind of like sore extremities or whatever that is, but also mental symptoms and emotional symptoms, which I think a lot of people might not connect. Yeah. Um, but it could play a huge role. And, you know, some easy ways to get rid of that is to make sure that your electrolytes are balanced. So that comes, the magnesium comes back in here, um, maybe trying to reduce your sodium intake a little bit. Um, and then also exercise, make sure that you're getting your body moving so mm -hmm. that your, your blood isn't stagnant and that water isn't stagnant. So if PMS is not normal, why might people experience that? So there is quite a few different reasons. And like I said, each of these five, I think I only said four, okay. the last type is type P, which is pain. And that is categorized by really painful periods, back aches, nausea, um, and stuff like that. So each one of those types of PMS has a little bit of a different cause, right? So many reasons that women will experience PMS is that their estrogen levels 
are higher than their progesterone levels in their luteal phase. Um, And this can be caused by several different things. So estrogen dominance is really what we call it. um, And that can have varying degrees of estrogen. Like people can have varying degrees of estrogen dominance, but oftentimes that has to do a lot with either not being able to metabolize and eliminate estrogen earlier on in your cycle. Okay. And that's why cycle syncing is so important. As you've seen, like there's a lot that happens in your earlier phases that then affect your luteal phase or your, your period. Um, so it's really important to go with the flow of your cycle so that, you know, you're able to support the phase that you're in, but also, um, the phases that you're going into. Yeah. So estrogen dominance is one of the most common or higher levels of estrogen is one of the most common causes of, um, most of the PMS types or some of the PMS types. And, um, like I said, that could be elimination or metabolism issues earlier on in your cycle, Mm -hmm. but that can also be high levels of exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals. Okay. Um, so those are chemicals that, um, especially xenoestrogens that mimic estrogen in the body and can really throw off your estrogen balances. And you can see a lot of that in household products. Um, especially beauty products are really big with it. Fragrances are huge. Um, plastics. If you, um, are eating or drinking out of plastic containers, um, especially if that food is hot, acidic, um, or it can like degrade the plastic Mm -hmm. that you're consuming the things out of, then when you're actually drinking that or eating that, um, it can cause a lot of issues with your hormones. Oh, wow. Would it be the same for like phytoestrogens that you would find in soy, flax seeds, things like that? So the research shows that there's conflicting information with that because a lot of the research actually shows that phytoestrogens can actually help support, um, uh, regulating your estrogen balance. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't react in the body the same way that xenoestrogens would. Okay. Um, and if you have an estrogen dominant issue, such as endometriosis, mm-hmm. that your body is really affected by estrogen, you would want to kind of see how phytoestrogens react in your body. Um, So for instance, you would take a couple of months with really avoiding phytoestrogens and then maybe incorporating some and see how your body reacts to it. Okay. But, uh, overwhelmingly, I find that a lot of the phytoestrogens actually support estrogen balance. Okay. So it's kind of different for everybody, but it could be actually beneficial. Yeah. And this is very different from xenoestrogens that are found through, chemicals and the industrialization process of a lot of processed foods. Right. Which is always harmful. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned if your period lasts like longer or like if your cycle lasts longer, shorter than 28 days, that's an issue. Mm -hmm. What would that be caused by or like, and how would you fix that? Totally. So there's again, different, different causes for these. These are symptoms, right? These aren't the root causes of the issues. These are symptoms of certain issues. Right. So for instance, really long periods or irregular periods could be due to not ovulating. So anovulation is when your body is trying to ovulate, but it just doesn't have this enough, um, enough of the hormones earlier on in your cycle mm-hmm. to actually develop the eggs and to actually trigger ovulation to occur. So this could be because of PCOS, um, low body weight or extreme exercise. So over-exercising can cause this as well. Okay. High stress levels can cause anovulation and really long periods, um, obesity. So those are just some of, some of the causes. Mm-hmm. And then for really short periods, also not ovulating could have a factor into it. Uh, A really short follicular phase or luteal phase could be an issue. So again, this is just really making sure that your hormones, you know, your hormones are following this, this cycle. And in order for the next phase to be triggered, your hormones have to achieve certain levels. So if your hormones aren't achieving those levels because of, um, you know, any other issue that's going on in your body, then you're not going to be able to go into the next phase and actually have a regular menstrual cycle. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I, when I first, like when I was like a teenager, my first couple years of being a menstruator, 
I think I had really long, heavy, painful periods Mm -hmm. and then they relaxed. And then recently in the past, like few cycles, I would say I've been getting my period every three weeks or like, like it's shortened, like it's not Mm -hmm. a full 28 days. And I was like, I don't know why that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could, you'd want to look into, and that's why, so I'm trained as a holistic nutritionist, Yeah, which kind of means that you look at all aspects of someone's life and figure out what might be going on, you know? And I think it's really important to try to get all of the data that you can possibly get from you. So even for yourself of tracking your cycle, making seeing any correlation, seeing how stress affects you, how, um, how certain foods affect you, how food sensitivities might affect you, um, and tracking as much as you can on your own, but then also getting, uh, hormone testing mm. and seeing what those hormone tests, uh, kind of tell you. And I'll, I'll make a little note with that as well, that a lot of healthcare professionals might dismiss your issues once you're horm- like when you're testing your hormones, mm-hmm. Because the range of normal, quote unquote, is very broad because it's literally for the whole population. Right. Um, So it's very broad. And you really want to focus on optimal ranges versus, quote unquote, normal ranges. Gotcha. And you also want to analyze your personal ranges. So it's really beneficial if you have a really regular cycle, you feel good, you know that you're, you know, benefiting your body to get your hormones tested so that you have a baseline. Mm. And then if you start to feel kind of out of whack, then you can go back, get your hormones tested and see if there's any hormones specifically that have changed quite a bit. Very interesting. So you would get that through like a blood test? Yeah. Serum tests, blood tests are probably the most effective. Um, I know that you can also do saliva tests or urine tests for certain hormones as well. Um, if you're testing your reproductive hormones, uh, you would test them on day three of your cycle. So three days after you start menstruating mm-hmm. and then seven days before your next cycle, which is usually around day 21 to 24 for most people. Okay. So we've alluded a lot to cycle syncing. Mm-hmm. Could you describe what that is? Sure. So cycle syncing was actually a toy a term coined originally by Elisa Vitti. And it is the practice of tailoring your nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to the phases of your menstrual cycle. And it's really, really cool when you're able to do it because first of all, you know, we've talked a lot about how your hormones follow a predictable cycle. Each of these hormones need to be supported differently and different nutrients can really help support them differently. Also different lifestyle activities can help support them. Um, And then also eliminating those hormones and preparing for your next phases is super, super important. So there's certain foods and nutrients at different points in your cycle that can really help to support that phase and also your coming phases. But what gets really, really cool is when you go into kind of the fitness and lifestyle aspects of it. Yeah. So with fitness, again, your body is able to perform differently at different times in your cycle. You may actually be more prone to injury in your follicular phase than you are in your luteal phase. Interesting. So it's a lot more important. Yeah. Because estrogen has an effect on your joints and ligaments. So it's really important that you're um, aware of that. So you can try to avoid injury as much as possible. And then what gets even cooler is when you go into the relationships and career aspect of things and how you can tailor your relationships and your career to your cycle to boost confidence, boost intimacy, um, and in your career to enhance productivity and efficiency and know when to schedule business meetings or when to schedule social events. And it just overall makes women feel so much more connected to themselves at home within their bodies. Um, what I found personally, which was one of the biggest impacts was how much more I trusted myself mm. because I was on this guilt and shame spiral because I had type A PMS. So I would consistently be really irritated and snap at my family or my partners or feel really negative in those situations. I remember one time I had worked really hard to feel secure in my relationship Mm -hmm. and I was feeling great for three weeks. I was like, I got this. Like I'm feeling super secure. 
Um, this is great. This is awesome. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I got this like overwhelming flood of negative thoughts that were everything is out the window. This is horrible. I'm like overanalyzing everything. Um, and I started writing in my journal and then I flipped back to 30 days prior Mm -hmm. and the exact same sentences were written. Interesting. So it was, so that then allowed me to kind of step back and be like, oh, this isn't necessarily my reality. These are the fact that my hormones are, are imbalanced. My serotonin levels are lower and that's really affecting my perspective on life. So it's okay because I recognize that this will pass because it's hormonal and I'm just going to take a step back you know, do my, some breathing exercises, take an Epsom salt bath and like, make sure that I'm not going to keep spiraling down that road. Yeah. I absolutely relate to that. I have a friend who is pretty intuitive, but like every time to a T every month, a day before my period, he goes, are you okay? You seem off today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then every single time the next day I get it, I'm like, how does he know? How does he know? It's crazy because it's so, it's just like a small shift in my energy. Mm -hmm. That's like, I'm anxious or I'm off. Totally. Why don't we talk about some like common hormonal imbalances that people may have? Sure. So we talked quite a bit about um, estrogen dominance and higher estrogen levels, Yeah, which is one of the more common um, issues in our society, especially um, for many reasons, especially the fact that, you know, we live in such an industrialized society that has a lot of xenoestrogens in it. Some other really common ones are PCOS affects about one in 10 women mm-hmm. and PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. And this is categorized by excess androgens, which are the male dominant hormones. Okay. And this usually will cause um, very irregular periods. So, um, you know, having long cycles and then sometimes shorter, really irregular. But then it's also categorized by um, excess weight gain or the inability to lose weight. So weight loss resistance. Um, and I'll take a moment to note here that most women who have PCOS are told just to lose weight and things will rectify themselves. Mm. But the issue here is that PCOS specifically makes it extremely difficult to actually access those fat stores. Yeah. So what ends up happening is so many women will start to um, reduce their caloric intake and over exercise, Mm. which then causes elevated stress levels, which actually increases those hormones that store fat. So it could actually cause you to a, not be able to tap into those fat stores and actually lose weight, but to gain weight in some cases as well. Yeah. So it's really important to note that because so many women are dismissed and just told to lose weight while PCOS makes it really difficult to lose weight. So you would have to kind of get those hormones in balance first and then, you know, kind of the side effect is weight loss. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Some other symptoms of PCOS include treatment resistant acne, hair loss, especially around the crown and through the part, um, male pattern hair growth. Mm. So that could be facial hair, chest hair, really um, hairier arms, um, and uh, anxiety and depression is twice as likely to happen in, in those with PCOS than not. So it's it's not fun. Yeah. And a lot of women get really dismissed about it. Um, There's a few different types of PCOS too, which um, many of them have similar protocols, but slightly different just based on kind of what, um, what your specific issues may be. I have a full course in my academy that um, is understanding PCOS and managing it. So it helps you identify kind of your type of PCOS, know what to get tested, and then also the natural protocols that you can take to um, really well manage it because it can be well managed through diet and lifestyle and birth control and metformin are not your only options. Okay. Yes. I wanted to ask about birth control. So often whenever anybody has like a hormonal issue, doctors will just prescribe birth control, right? So what are, what are our thoughts on that? I'm assuming not so, not so friendly to it. (laughs) I'm so my issue with it is that we're not given informed consent. Yes. We're not given informed consent. First of all, you know, people can argue, oh, but you could have just read the gigantic 
newspaper size pamphlet <laughs> with eight point font with all of the symptoms listed off and you would know. But we all know that we're not doing that, especially I started birth control when I was 16. Mm. Um, and I find that most people will start birth control at, at a young age. And it's kind of glorified in this cure all when the reality is, first of all, it doesn't cure anything. Right. It, mask the symptoms because your body is no longer producing those hormones that, um, you know, are causing these issues. So when you get off of birth control, it's likely that those issues are going to come back and those issues are going to come back worse. So there's that aspect of it. We're also not told about the side effects in a way that, um, actually resonate, I think with a lot of women, Mm -hmm. um, and often are really dismissed. A huge part of my story and how I became a cycle syncing nutritionist is because of my experience on birth control and how significant my symptoms had become and how dismissed I was about those symptoms. I had horrible symptoms for about three years and went to my healthcare professionals. I went to four different doctors within a span of three years And each one of them totally dismissed me, said it was something else or that it would just go away or it's just part of being a woman. And just part of being a woman. Oh, yeah. How many times have we heard that? Love that. (laughs) Love that for us. Um, And, you know, it was it was really disheartening and it was really um, I felt really lost with it because I was experiencing all of these negative symptoms that I knew I shouldn't be experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so brain fog, I had recurring infections. I had a lot of digestive issues. Um, I bled a lot and it was not fun. Yeah. And, you know, each one of these doctors dismissing me up until the point that I got off of birth control. I remember that appointment and I told her about my symptoms and why I wanted it off or wanted it out. Yeah. And she was like, it doesn't do that. And then I stuck to my guns, got it removed. And that's what triggered me to do all this research and found every single one of my symptoms listed in these pamphlets, yeah. like newspaper sized pamphlets. And I was so disappointed that that was the care that I was given. I was so disappointed that I had given the authority over my body to someone who I was taught to give my authority to, to that had authority that I thought had the best interests in mind, that I thought had the education and um, resources that would be able to provide me with the best care standard, right? You would think. (laughs) You would think, but it's also, and I don't think it's out of malice. I just think that a lot of you know, I've, I've talked to many doctors about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of doctors are just told how birth control can help you, but not necessarily told about all of the side effects in um, a, a comprehensive way. Yeah. And then also the fact that nutritional training is really disregarded when it comes to general healthcare practitioners. Yeah. So um, in the States, there's a recommended 25 hours of nutrition training for, to get, to become a doctor. Right. And about 71% don't even hit that mark. And when you think about 25 hours, 25 hours is nothing is one course. That's nothing in four to eight years of, of schooling. Yeah. And that's preventative medicine. Your body is running off of the food that you eat. Yeah. Your day-to-day basis, like your your food is your fuel. Your food is your medicine. And the fact that doctors aren't given that training, uh, I think is really a downfall because it's so necessary for preventative healthcare. Yeah. Um, and it's really unfortunate that, you know, they're not given that training and you know, where it's, it's just not being supported. Yeah. So even if it's small things, especially with birth control, there's small things that you can do to help support your body on birth control, or at least, you know, these things. So when you're on birth control, your nutritional requirements change. Mm, Yeah. So you actually need more of certain nutrients to support the fact that you're on birth control. And when you don't have those nutrients, your systems aren't going to run properly because the micronutrients are how, you know, all the functions in your body really happen. Yeah. So it's really important to note that it's really important to note that birth control affects your microbiome, which is your, your bacteria in your gut and vaginal microbiome as well. And vaginal flora and 
when that is affected, that can cause a whole lot of symptoms and that can affect your immune system, your neurotransmitters, your digestion, um, how susceptible you are to infection. Um, and so much more that, you know, there's simple things that, that we should have been told about birth control that we, we weren't. Yeah. So that's my big rant on kind of that side, but then also to the effect that we're not given other options. Mm -hmm. I had a client come to me, um, you know, we've been working together for a little bit and I was, I told her to go get tested for PCOS, which, which she did. And turns out she had PCOS. And in that appointment that her doctor confirmed, her doctor wrote her two prescriptions, one for birth control, another for um, a blood sugar stabilizer. Mm -hmm. And then my client goes, oh, but couldn't I manage this with diet and exercise? And her doctor goes, yeah. Yeah, you could. After she had wrote her prescriptions. Yeah. And after my client actually mentioned it and asked for it and demanded, you know, other options. And I think that that is the huge, huge thing. And, and with, you know, I do courses in digital education and with those, one of my main pillars and my main values is to help women become active participants in their healthcare. Yeah. I love that. And that's, I think is so important because when we're armed with knowledge and resources, then we're able to show up in those situations with confidence and being able to ask the right questions because most of us don't know the right questions to ask yeah, um, or don't know kind of what other options there might be. So I think it's really important with education to become an active participant in your healthcare. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a huge issue just with healthcare is it's always about fixing the symptoms or putting a bandaid over it and never about prevention. And totally prevention is everything. Like if you actually look at the literature on it, it's mm-hmm. so effective. And like, I've, I've read papers that have even said like for depression and anxiety, like exercise has been proven to be just as effective as antidepressants. And I'm like, why don't we know this? Yeah. Omega threes also. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the nutrient deficiencies, um, that you might, or like the nutrient requirements that you might have changed on birth control? Sure. So the B vitamins get really affected, um, especially B6 and B12 and B2 mm-hmm. and, uh, vitamin C, selenium, and zinc also are really affected and magnesium is really affected. Um, and all of those really have a lot to do with liver support. And the reason why a lot of women might experience a lot of issues on birth control. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but (laughs) one of those reasons is it can be really taxing on your liver Mm -hmm. because your body actually has to process out all of these synthetic hormones. Um, so as that happens, your liver has to work really hard and it uses up a lot of these nutrients really quickly. Mm, So I see it's really, really important that you up those, those nutrients as well. So would you recommend supplementation of those things when you're on birth control or just like increasing it in your diet? Um, it depends case to case basis. It is case to case basis. I would say I wouldn't not recommend supplementation. Okay. I, of course, you want to be able to get all of your nutrients from food, mm-hmm. but the reality is that most of us, especially in the life's lives that we live, that might be a little bit difficult. Yeah. So I definitely do support supplementation. Uh, high quality supplements, I think are super helpful. Yeah. Um, and prefacing that with the fact that supplements are just that they're supplemental. Mm-hmm. So they're supplemental to a diet. So you, I would say, don't just take a bunch of supplements and think that you're, you know, jolly yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really important that you're making sure that your nutrients, um, you're getting a lot of nutrients from whole foods and all of that kind of stuff. And then adding in those supplements as well. Yeah, of course. Cause I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you eat a nutrient in a food, it doesn't interact in your body exactly the same way as when you have it in a supplement. So yeah, there's definitely arguments for that especially with different types of supplements. Um, so for instance, with magnesium, magnesium glycinate is really, um, one of the best to be able to absorb it in the body and also to utilize it. And it doesn't cause bowel issues, Mm -hmm. which you might find in other forms of magnesium. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's also dependent on kind of where you're sourcing, sourcing these supplements from. 
Okay. And then you also mentioned that birth control affects your um, microbiome, right? Mm-hmm. So would you recommend a probiotic for people on yeah. birth control? Okay. hundred percent. Okay. I recommend probiotics for most people. Yeah. Yeah. In, in general, probiotics go for it. Um, you know, having 1 billion uh, colony forming units is important. Having a good source of probiotics is great. And then also adding in a lot of um, probiotic rich foods. So kimchi, sauerkraut, those are huge. My favorites. I love kimchi and sauerkraut. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why don't we go back to the cycle syncing and maybe we could go through a few of the different um, nutrition requirements or nutrition changes we would make for each phase. Sure. I'll do a, I'll do a quick run through, through the cycle, um, kind of the most dominant ones. Okay. And, you know, when I say this, I, I also want to emphasize that there is a lot more than this, um, but these are great starting points or, or great things to happen. Awesome. So in the menstrual phase, you may be losing about two milligrams of iron per day of your bleed. And iron is the oxygen carrier in the blood. It's so important. And women are often deficient in iron. I am. So yeah, yeah. it's, I, I th- I'm pretty sure it's the most common nutrient deficiency, if not top, top couple. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that you have enough iron in your menstrual phase and also to avoid caffeine and alcohol during that phase, because that can inhibit iron absorption. Okay. And then also to consume iron rich foods with um, vitamin C is really important. Yeah. And then in your follicular phase, as estrogen is rising, like I was saying before, uh, a lot of the issues later on in your cycle are caused by higher levels of estrogen in your luteal phase. So it's really important that your body's able to metabolize and eliminate this estrogen. So you can support that by incorporating estrogen rich food like probiotics and kimchi, sauerkraut, um, kombucha is really helpful. Probiotics have estrogen. No, they have estrogen metabolizing. They help with estrogen metabolism. Okay. 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 Yeah. Very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Your, your gut microbiome is probably the coolest thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting when you, when you start to really look into uh, the bacteria in your gut and how many different things it affects. Um, and the microbiome actually has a bi-directional relationship with estrogen. So estrogen affects the microbiome, microbiome affects estrogen and back and forth. So it's really important that your, um, your microbiome is healthy and rich, and there's a lot of diversity in that so that you can help support, um, you know, healthy levels of estrogen, which means not too little and not too much. So then as you're in your ovulatory phase, like I said, your hormones can fluctuate between 30 and 50%. So you will likely have really high levels of estrogen, which uh, the main mechanism that it's being filtered out is through your liver. So you really want to support your liver. Okay. And you can do so by consuming anti-inflammatory foods like ginger and turmeric can be super helpful. Omegas, uh, omega-3s can be super helpful. Yeah. And then as you're in your luteal phase, um, this can also vary depending on which type of PMS you might have. You might want to focus on, on specific nutrients, but you really want to encourage healthy progesterone production. So zinc, vitamin E is really beneficial for that. And then also incorporating some mood boosting amino acids like uh, L-tryptophan, which is the precursor to serotonin. Mm. And that can be found in things like pumpkin seeds and turkey uh, can be really, really helpful in uh, your luteal phase. That makes you sleepy, right? Tryptophan? Yeah. So so serotonin is the precursor to melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. Okay. So that's why when you, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, you have a bunch of turkey. It's the tryptophan in there that can make you really tired. And that's a great way to kind of recognize how quickly an effect food can have on your body Yeah, and how much of a direct effect that food can have on your body. Yeah. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. What about some fitness guidelines? Sure. So during your menstrual phase, first of all, I'll say that with the fitness guidelines, I love to, to give you extra ideas about what to do um, in your fitness routine. But oftentimes women will enjoy just like a standard fitness routine and it's really the levels of intensity that might change or adding in certain things that might change. Okay. Um, so first of all, 
you do not want to overexercise. Yeah. I remember when I was in university and I would do fasted cardio in the morning and then I would go back to the gym around 7 p.m. and do like a full weight session. And I ended up gaining, I, I was just so puffy and I was on birth control at the time. So my cycle wasn't affected, but your cycle can be directly affected by this and cause you not to have a regular menstrual cycle. Yeah. But it was like, there was just so much inflammation in the body because you're elevating your stress levels so much and your cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone. And you're not allowing your body to kind of recuperate and relax and um, regenerate itself. So you end up causing more damage than you are good, Um, which I think is really important to know, especially for younger women who are constantly told like burn calories, burn calories, burn calories. Yeah. It's not about that necessarily. Like, of course, calories play a role, but it's really about how you're treating your body, how, how imbalanced your hormones are, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So during your menstrual phase, it's a great time. You might not feel as motivated and it's okay to take some time off. I think that when you start cycle syncing, one of the great things is learning how to provide yourself with grace mm-hmm. and give yourself grace to be like, I need some extra time for myself because my body is going through a lot right now. So I'm just going to do some yoga this week and I'm going to feel like more in tune with my body. My workouts might be a little bit slower, a little bit lower intensity. Then as you go into your follicular phase, your estrogen causes you to have a little bit more energy and you might feel a lot better, but also that can affect your joints and ligaments. So it's really important to make sure that you're stretching well. Yeah. And then also it's a great time for, you know, more, um, more cardio exercises, um, your heart rate actually changes based on your cycle. So it can be easier to achieve higher levels of, um, higher heart rates in that phase as well. So that's a great time to do some cardio exercises. Yeah. And then as you're into your ovulatory phase, that is, you're often feeling a little bit more creative. You might want to do something else. So like kickboxing could be a really fun um, fitness thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) And it can be great to do, especially during your ovulatory phase, because you have that extra energy and you have that extra creativity and that drive. Um, And then into your luteal phase, it's really important to stay moving in your luteal phase, especially so that you're not getting that water retention. Um, And that's a great time for like strength training workouts, Um, you know, again, going a little bit slower and really being intentional about the mind body connection. Awesome. Thank you. So you, during the ovulatory phase, you're like more creative, more energized. Mm -hmm. So would it be the same for like productivity wise and like Mm -hmm. working? Totally. Maybe we could go through the phases for that as well. Cause that kind of clicks for me. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Pretty much what I would also suggest is, is start tracking your cycle and start tracking your patterns. Yeah. So for me, yes, estrogen plays a direct role on your ability to focus your memory, your creativity. So it plays a huge role on your brain and that's so often disregarded and it's great. And it can improve productivity and efficiency because you're able to make each phase as efficient as possible uh, because you know what your strengths and your weaknesses might be. Yeah. So it's a great time to really focus on, you know, creative projects, starting something new, all that kind of stuff while potentially in your luteal phase or your menstrual phase, that's a better time to do more of like the administrative work or the things that you don't necessarily need to think as much about. Mm. Um, because again, it has a direct effect on your brain and you may have that brain fog. You may not feel as motivated. You may, you know, feel a little bit lower or whatever it is that can cause that to affect your your creativity and your ability to perform. Yeah, that's really interesting. We described kind of like the experiences or feelings you'd have during each phase, but obviously a lot of people have hormonal imbalances and may not have Mm -hmm. a clear understanding of like where they are in their cycle. So how would you actually Mm -hmm. track that in order to sync it? So with that first address the hormonal imbalance. Okay. So I think it's really important when you're learning about cycle syncing, um, kind of how I like to say it is you it's, it's really cool how small day-to-day habits can stack upon each other and can create such a huge change. Mm -hmm. But with these, these, the stacking of habits, you really want to build that upon a foundation. So 
in my courses, I make sure that the first like four modules are all about creating that foundation. So understanding nutrition, learning about nutrition, and then also how to track your cycle and, and just the overview of the menstrual cycle so that you kind of tune into that a little bit and, and you're kind of navigating, um, cycle syncing and the rest of the course through that lens. But then there's a whole module on hormonal imbalances because it's really important to address any sort of hormonal imbalances before you kind of go through it so that you first of all, will have the tools and the skills to, um, navigate your health through that hormonal or through that hormonal imbalance that you may experience. And also to address that hormonal imbalance first, because it is true. It's a little bit more difficult to, if you haven't had a period in two years, right. That's you're not having a cycle, right? So there's no, nothing that you can cycle sync. You have to first address that hormonal imbalance. Um, and you know, with irregular cycles, what often happens is the luteal phase is the most stable phase Mm -hmm. and the follicular phase is the most variable. Okay. So if there's a lot of changes in your cycle, the likelihood is that that's really happening in the follicular phase. Of course, not having enough progesterone and your body not making enough progesterone could shorten the luteal phase, but the, um, the follicular phase is usually the one that's most affected. So you want to make sure that you're addressing that first. Okay. And when you say addressing the hormonal imbalance, what exactly do you mean by that? Like, how would you address it or fix it? So of course it depends on the route that you go. If you can yeah. find, you know, a healthcare practitioner that works with you, a, a coach or a nutritionist that works with you, um, in my programs, I, you know, walk it through so that you can kind of help identify those and then take that knowledge, go get tested and then start to understand it a little bit more. And then, you know, you have a resource to come back to that allows you to, it, it gives you tips and tricks about how to manage those hormonal imbalances. Okay. So for instance, if you have something like PCOS, you're going to recognize all of these symptoms. And then you're going to kind of think about yourself and, and your eating habits and your stress habits, et cetera, et cetera, to then figure out what type of PMS you might have. So mm-hmm. is it insulin resistant? Is it inflammatory? Is it adrenal or is it post pill PCOS? Because, um, after you get off of birth control that can cause post pill PCOS, um, which is really elevated levels of androgen once you go off the pill. Um, and you know, we can talk about post birth control syndrome later, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really important to kind of address, like to figure out that and identify and then manage. Okay. Right. So finding resources, finding people that you trust to help support you to do that, I think is really beneficial for a lot of people because, you know, the easiest way from point A to point B is to do it with someone who understands and knows how to get there. Right. Yeah. You know, when you try to figure it out on your own, oftentimes that lands you into being super overwhelmed with all this information and mm-hmm. like not really knowing where to turn, having so many conflicting ideas, et cetera, et cetera. When, you know, if you find someone that you really trust that, you know, is ethical and well-trained. And I think one of the biggest things um, is the effect of, if you have a question and they don't know the answer, mm-hmm. they will tell you that they don't know the answer and then try to go find it. Yeah. Um, I think is one of the most important things because I think that ego is huge and people will just be like, I know the answers to everything. And it's like, but if you don't, or you're not sure about the answer, then you can take a step back and be like, you know what? I don't know the answer right now, but I will figure it out for you in a way that I know is based in science and yeah. is well-researched and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's really important to find, um, kind of support and people to help you along the way with those journeys. Yeah. I absolutely love that you said that because I think it really shows like the smartest type of person is the one who can say it when they don't know something Mm -hmm. because nobody knows everything. And if you're just saying things because you want to give an answer, like that's, you're probably not that much of a critical thinker. Yeah. The huge issue that I've found so often is that, um, a lot of professionals they're, they're so, into what they do. And they're so excited about what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stand in this kind of level of superiority. Yeah. And I think that that ego can get in the way of a lot of things Yeah, and get in the way of actually having people feel supported. Absolutely. 
what about for like somebody who has a relatively normal cycle? Would you recommend like an app to track their phases or just learn them? Um, I definitely support tracking. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different apps. Um, I don't know if I'm going to recommend any right now because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uproar in the app community about certain apps. No way. Um, I didn't know there was like drama. There's, there's a little bit of tea. There's oh a little bit of tea. So apparently flow, um, like, you know what? <laughs> apparently there's been, re- there's been, um, articles that have come out that flow app, which, you know, I had used for a really long time, um, sells your information and is also created by, a couple of guys or a guy no so I don't know if that's true I don't want to get canceled for anything (laughs) (laughs) oh my god no I use clue I've never used flow Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of clue but I don't know it I just really use it to know when my period's coming so I can like prepare (laughs) yeah and there's there's tons of apps (laughs) there's tons of apps that you can use and um you know, there's different apps, especially for different things, you might want it differently. So if you are, um, practicing fertility awareness method, Mm. of preventing pregnancy, you might want an app that tracks that specifically. So tracks your, the different biomarkers, et cetera. But you can also just use like Apple health to track your period. Now. Um, I know a lot of people are going back to pen and paper, Mm. um, which is really cool. And I think it is, kind of fun yeah that is really cool it's like journal in the morning mm-hmm. what would you write down like if you had a like a journal for your cycle so what kind of thing would you write so I will always recommend people doing a um a morning check-in with themselves okay so in the morning shake everything out and then kind of scan your body ask yourself some questions you know how's your body feeling is there pain or discomfort anywhere etc cetera, etc cetera. and then write those symptoms down but then you also again, especially if you're tracking your fertility, um, you want to track your cervical mucus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will also track their basal body temperatures. Right. They have like a temperature gun kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's different, there's different thermometers that you can use. You know, you can use what's called temp drop, which is an armband. Mm. So your basal body temperature is pretty much the temperature at the lowest point. And that's usually like right in the morning. Okay. Um, and right when you wake up, but if you wake up at different times, um, that can affect it. So that's not, uh, that's not as effective in, in tracking. So with these armband monitors or the wrist monitors that can, that registers your lowest temperature during the day can be really helpful, especially if you have like an irregular sleep schedule. Okay. I guess my last question, actually I have two more questions. Mm -hmm. Are there any other lifestyle guidelines that you think are really important to cycle sync for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, okay. Sleep and stress. <laughs> I think we often will disregard how sleep and stress actually affects us. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. So it's so important that you are able to um, kind of have a handle on that. And I'm going to mention also, especially with sleep and stress, both of them. So they're everything's connected, right? Again, I'm a holistic nutritionist. Everything is interconnected. So your sleep is going to directly affect your hormones. Your hormones also impact your sleep. So it might actually be harder for you to sleep, or you might find that um, you wake up a little bit more throughout the night or that it's harder for you to fall asleep in your luteal phase Okay, because of that direct relationship. Yeah. Um, And then also with stress, your hormones, your microbiome are all very interconnected. And it's so important that we have um, tools and tricks to help us reduce stress and also to recognize that the ability to deal with stress is also like stress is a chemical reaction in the body, right? Yeah. Stress is hormones being released. So making sure that you um, are able to have a handle on that stress and that might sound like a little frou-frou of like, okay, cool, Nicole. Like, thanks for telling me to handle my stress better. Cool. <laughs> um, but there's actually ways that you can do this. So again, your, your body affects how you you can deal with stress. Okay. So if you're making sure that your hormones are balanced out or, you know, at, at good levels, then you will likely be able to deal with stress a little bit better. 
like I said, PCOS, you're twice as likely to deal with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. um, because of the inability to regulate stress. And with stress, you may have, there's so adaptogens. Have you heard about adaptogens? Yes. This is really where I'm going. But like, remind me what that is and for everybody else. All right. Yes. I love adaptogens. They are probably the thing that changed my life the most. Um, adaptogens are compounds that help your body deal with stress better. So I'm actually coming out with a supplement in the very near future that has a bunch of adaptogens in it. And it's called focus because it really helps with focus as well. Okay. And they're, um, it has lion's mane mushrooms, corgiset mushrooms, which are amazing adaptogens, American ginseng, um, rhodiola rosea, which is great. And a lot of these um, adaptogens, they have energizing properties as well. Mm -hmm. So they'll actually make you feel more energized. And kind of the way that I like to describe them is that for me, my anxiety often starts within my body and I've recognized that it starts within my body and then my brain has to catch up to it. So I'll start feeling um, all of those symptoms of elevated heart rate, you know, that change in blood pressure, et cetera. And then after I feel that my brain will start being like, oh snap, why are you freaking out? Let's try to figure this out. Then flood my brain with all of these negative thoughts. Right. And then that spirals and then you have more anxiety and then you have more negative thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Cycle. Exactly. But once you with these adaptogens, what I find is that it slows down that um, physical response in your body. Mm -hmm. So then your brain is just like, oh, no, we're chill. That's cool. Um, So it's really cool that, you know, it's not necessarily about, you know, I think it's really important through therapy and through, um, addressing any kind of traumas that you're going through or have gone through Mm -hmm. that you do address that, um, mental aspect of it. Yeah. But also if you are disregarding the physical aspect of it, you're never going to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Well, things like that stay trapped in your body. Like Mm -hmm. you can have subconscious memories from when you're a young kid that manifest into your fears today. It's like, it's all very connected. Hmm. Awesome. Um, I actually had one more thought because I was thinking about, I've seen like the adaptogenic coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried that. What are your thoughts on like caffeine and alcohol in general for your hormones? So Alcohol has very estrogenic properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it increases estrogen in the body. Again, we've already talked about it. Yeah. One of the biggest issues is that we have high levels of estrogen. So um, especially at certain times in your cycle, like your menstrual phase and your ovulatory phase, you definitely want to try to avoid alcohol as much as possible. Um, and then with coffee, the fun aspect of it is that it might do a lot worse than you want it to do. And it might be sad and I get so much hate for it. Um, I love coffee. I know everyone does. Everyone does. And so good. So it's people with um, certain uh, reproductive issues like endometriosis. Mm -hmm. It's been found to totally avoid coffee can be really beneficial. Okay. Also, making sure that coffee is not breakfast, mm. have breakfast before you have your coffee. What about together? Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Okay. That's reasonable. Um, you don't want to have coffee on an empty stomach. Um, I think a lot of us have, um, done that intermittent fasting mm. and, you know, the research done on intermittent fasting was done mostly on men and postmenopausal women. Okay. So it's important to note that intermittent fasting affects women differently than it does um, men. And it may not affect us as, or it may not be as beneficial um, in the way that is, is commonly talked about. So making sure that you have something before you have your coffee, even if it's just a glass of water. Also try having your coffee about 45 minutes to two hours after you wake up Okay. Um, because your cortisol levels are highest in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if you're adding in extra, like, you know, coffee can cause high levels of cortisol as well. Yeah. If you're adding in those extra levels that can cause a lot more stress in your body and then therefore cause more anxiety, cause the jitters, um, disrupt the hormones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So try to keep coffee to a little bit later. And also making sure that you have something with your coffee or before your coffee okay. and try to avoid it in your, um, in your menstrual phase, just because it, uh, inhibits 
iron absorption. Yeah. I've heard that actually. Mm -hmm. So do you drink something instead of coffee or? Yeah. So different times I'll have different things. I love adaptogenic blends. So sometimes I'll have, um, you know, I will do matcha or I'll do Mm a, um, I have a great recipe for a turmeric ginger um, latte that I absolutely love and sometimes add some adaptogens into that. And then I also have been doing, this is going to sound weird, but don't hate it until you try it. I've been doing warm or hot uh, protein shakes Okay, and they're delicious. So I have a vanilla chai protein shake Mm. that I'll just put hot water in instead of cold water. And it's basically chai. It's like- Exactly. It's delicious. And it's, you know, has extra protein. Um, the one that I get has, you know, um, probiotics in it and a bunch of other minerals. And That's very cool. Yeah. It sounds That actually sounds kind of good. Like vanilla. At first I was like, no, but then you're like vanilla chai. I'm like, could do. But then if you also think about like, you know, just a chocolate protein shake, that's like that's hot, just chocolate. hot chocolate. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> Add some cinnamon to it. <laughs> you know, I, because you don't want to shake it in a plastic shaker, especially if it's hot. Mm. So I'll usually shake it with a little bit of cold water first okay. and then pour it into my mug and then, and then add the hot up. water. And then it's like perfect temperature also. <laughs> <laughs> so, but matcha also has caffeine. You mentioned that. Um, mm-hmm. Does it interact differently than coffee does with you or is it the same? I find that I'm not necessarily as affected by caffeine as significantly as a lot of people are okay so I also find that because of that I don't necessarily need coffee all the time Mm. so there's that but I really like matcha for the antioxidant properties and um you know all that kind of stuff in it as well because it's been shown to be really helpful um with the antioxidants and for really supporting your body so you might want to avoid it as well in your menstrual phase, but it's a great thing to incorporate, you know, if you're trying to avoid caffeine as much as possible, especially if you, um, I, I'm pretty sure again, going back to this whole thing of, I'm not going to let my ego get into the way. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that the caffeine might affect you differently, especially if you have something like, um, endometriosis, Okay. because you definitely want to avoid coffee if you have endometriosis. Um, but I feel like the, the caffeine and green tea might react differently. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So my final question is what is the one thing that anybody could start doing today to support their hormonal health? That might be a hard question. (laughs) I know. I just had so many things pop into my brain. (laughs) You can give like three if you want. That's also fine. So first is, this is more so to start like helping to, to start cycle syncing and cycle tracking start tracking your patterns. Okay. So do those morning check-ins and start understanding how your patterns correlate with your cycle. Cause when you see that you'll be like, Oh, that's interesting mm. because you'll, you'll recognize that there's certain times that you always just feel pretty crappy at a certain time. And you're like, yeah. Oh, that, that's directly related to my cycle. Or there's times that you feel like you're on top of the world and that's directly related to your cycle. Um, and then you can start kind of tailoring yourself to that. Yeah. So there's that making sure that you're really supporting again, the stress reduction, I think is absolutely massive when it comes to hormonal health. Mm -hmm. So making sure I would say, go get some adaptogens because they are game changers, um, can be super helpful. And also just making sure that you're doing kind of stress reduction practices, meditating, journaling, um, taking time in nature, taking time to decompress. You might not think that it has a direct relationship, but it has such a direct relationship with your hormones and with your hormonal health. And then also just start cycle syncing and start learning about your cycle and navigating, you know, your overall, your life through your menstrual lens. I'll leave you with a statistic, but the average woman will have 451 menstrual cycles in her life spanning 38.5 years. Oh my God. Massive. Huge. And like, that's so, and it's wild to think about how your menstrual cycle is really affecting you every day of that. 
you know, it's not just your period or PMS that your menstrual cycle is affecting you. It's every single day. Mm -hmm. And because we've been kind of conditioned to think about our cycles in such a negative lens, because we've been dismissed about it, we haven't been taught about it, et cetera, et cetera. Think about how significant of a part of yourself you're thinking about through a negative lens when you're living out of tune with your cycle. Yeah. Because it's huge. So no matter what you do, even if you're, you know, you're doing all of the things to try to support yourself, if you're still navigating your life and like thinking about your cycle through a negative lens, that's such a huge part of yourself that you're thinking about through a negative lens and that will directly affect you. Yeah. So start living in tune with yourself. Start learning more. Go seek out that information. Find coaches or people like come visit me. I'm you know, I'm all over the social medias, like come hang out with me um, and find or find someone that you do really trust and and value their work because it can be so, so impactful when you're able to really connect to it and understand your cycle and live in tune with it. Yeah, I love that. I think that flipping the script and making it more of a positive thing of like, oh, like I have this information about myself. Mm-hmm. What can I do with that? How can I optimize my health? How can I make my life the best that it is based on this information that's already out there. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Totally. I also think what you're saying about like journaling about um, like how you're feeling during different phases, it's almost humbling. It's like, oh, this isn't mm-hmm. me. This is my hormones. Yeah, totally. So I have um, one of the doctors that I respect so significantly is Dr. Daniel Amen. And he's a psychiatrist that runs um, brain scans. And kind of the way that he puts it is that they're ants. So automatic negative thoughts. Mm. And I love that because it's like, it's, it's recognizing that these are automatic negative thoughts. And even if you can like imagine them as ants, like coming into your brain and just like overrunning yourself and overrunning your brain and like, they're just automatic negative thoughts. They don't necessarily, um, they're not necessarily a reflection of your reality. They're not necessarily a reflection of how you actually feel and you can actually squash them and start exterminating. them. I love that. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that was one of the major things in in my life of of finally being slightly removed from those negative thoughts Mm -hmm. and then recognizing that they weren't necessarily me. And then I, you know, it releases the guilt. It boosts your confidence. It boosts more trust in yourself to like allow your thoughts to sit in the passenger side, Mm -hmm. but like you're the one running the car. Love that. So where can we find you if people want to learn more from you? So I'm on all of the socials. Um, so Instagram and TikTok, mainly Nicole.Bendayan. Uh, so at Nicole.Bendayan, B-E-N-D-A-Y-A-N. I know that my last Also name link everything often. in the description. Yes, amazing. <laughs> um, you can also search me at thesyncsociety.com. And, um, you know, I have, like I said, a lot of programs coming out, um, my cohort is closing pretty soon, um, next week actually. So I'm not sure if this episode is going to come out by that time, but we'll have other launches and master classes. So feel free to sign up for the email list. Um, or if you're interested in the courses, then hit me up and let me know and we can, we can talk about it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great.